Amen. Wow, that, that, that song just gets me every time, and, and it, it hit me different today. Um, the first service, those lyrics even hit me different than the second service, and take me back to where it started. Man, I just, I just felt this, this, this longing to go back to where it started. I mean, I like to think that 51 years ago, I was my dad's greatest gift being born on Father's Day. And it's been 21 years since I've been able to say happy Father's Day, Dad. Sometimes I want to go back. Maybe you today are sitting with your dad and you can celebrate that. Maybe you don't have a, a very good earthly representation of a dad. Maybe you've been duped in that department. Uh, but I want to tell you this, like Jesus Christ is our heavenly father and he fills all the voids that you might have. And he is there for you. Like he is there to fill that. And I'm so grateful that I have had men in my life who have reminded me and driven me and coached me into establishing this relationship with Christ so those voids are gone. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And the older I get and the grayer my beard gets, the more I'm realizing that God's calling me to be spiritual fathers to other young men. And what an honor it is to be able to pour into other people, men and women, and to be able to say to them that Christ Jesus loves you. And guys, you made it. It's Father's Day. You brought your family to church. You're sitting in the seats. Now, I don't know what your morning was like. Did y'all have brunch before? Did you argue on the way here? Were you running late and like, come on, your makeup looks fine. Let's just get in the car and go. Like, I, I don't know where you are, but you made it today. You made it here. And I want to tell you that, uh, you, I mean, just look around. Um, I'm not just speaking for Refuge Church, I'm speaking for the American church. When I look at statistics, and do you know that Father's Day is the lowest attended Sundays in our American church? Do you know that Mother's Day is the third highest, only behind Christmas and Easter? Why? Because moms are like, oh, uh, 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 it's my day. We go into church. And dads are like, it's my day. We're not going to church. Do you know that statistics will reveal that when a mother comes to Christ, 17% of the time, the family will follow. When the mother leads in faith, 17% of the time, the rest of the family goes there. But do you know, on the other hand, when the father leads the family to Christ, 93% of the family will follow. Like God designed men to lead. God designed men to step out in faith. God designed men to be the warriors and to prioritize faith and prioritize gathering and prioritize this sheltering of the family and providing for them and being strong yet gentle. But yet most of the men today in our culture will say, I'm sleeping in. I'm lighting the fire on the grill. I'm doing what I want to do. And church isn't one of those things. Now, y'all aren't in that boat, right? You made it here. 
You're good. Way to go, right? But I just want to use this opportunity to say, can you see Satan trying to take away the value and the authority of man in our culture? I believe what's broken in America is not the federal government. It was never made to lead in the way in which it's leading today. What's broken in America is the devaluation of the American family and men who have lost their way in leading. We've become idled. It's this emoticon, right? You see it on the day? I don't know. Where do you want to go? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. Should we buy this? I don't know. Do you want it? I mean, this is what the man does. I don't know. We're looking to pacify and satisfy. Do you know on any given Sunday, almost 25% of married church-going women will worship without their husbands in churches? Not this one, because y'all are family-related. I look around and I see this balancing, but most families, come on, the women are leading the way to the church. Midweek activities often draw 70 to 80% of female participants. The men aren't wanting to go. Do you know this is alarming? Over 70% of boys who are being raised in the church, who are being raised in the church, will abandon their faith during their teens and their 20s, and most of them will not return when they're older. Man, it's so important that we stand in the gap. It's so important that we prioritize our faith. It's so important that we continue to bring our families together because we're stronger together, right? Satan doesn't uh, want us here. He wants to separate us and keep us away and keep us disconnected because we're vulnerable then. But men, you did it today. Like you said, let's go. Let's prioritize this. And I'm proud of you. And so keep leading well in your family. Connect with the men. Like we ought to pack out Hebrews Coffee House with every man in this house because we say, man, we want to be together. Like you don't have to be part of the men's ministry that meets in semesters. Like, like if you're a man in this house tomorrow, go on register. I don't even care. Just show up, right? Like on July 8th at 8 o'clock, be at Hebrews Coffee House. Let's show them that the men of Refuge Church, let's show each other that we're going to, we're going to stand for Christ. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. That's what that scripture says. And if you've been to my house, some of y'all have noted it out. That scripture is everywhere. It's in my kitchen like three times. It's in the living room. Because why? Because I forget, right? I need to be reminded, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But, hey, uh, I'm not going to camp and harbor on that. I'm proud of you for coming, but we're in the middle of this series this summer called Summer Baggage. And I want to continue in that because we're walking through this process of deciding what to carry, deciding what to bring with us, deciding what to carry. And you can tell by this picture that there's this physical uh, move that happens when, we're, when we go on a trip, when, when we go someplace. But I want you also to run this parallel line of the physical with the spiritual. Like we also pack on baggage and we carry things with us uh, spiritually. I look at this picture and I wonder, I see everything stacked up on top of that awesome car. And I wonder, did they, did they put anything in the trunk first? You know, or did they, or that's where the kids are. The kids are back there. 
That's probably, that's probably, that's probably right, right? Like, like we have to, we have to pack right. We talked about that, right? Clearly, we're not packing light in this circumstance. And some of you are carrying around so much unbalanced weight. I think of uh, the loadmaster on military aircrafts. Like they have loadmaster school and training to take the weight, heavy weight equipment loaded on military aircraft so it's balanced. Why? So that the pilot can fly the plane the way it's designed with balance. Because if it's not balanced, it won't fly right. It, it won't be efficient. Uh, you're risking danger. You're risking things. So there's somebody there that says, hey, that can't go. Hey, that needs to go here, not there. Hey, there's some priorities. You got to load this thing first. You got to put this thing in its place. And the Holy Spirit wants to do that for you in your life. He wants to say, hey, you may be carrying the right amount of weight, but some of this stuff you need to put in the trunk. Like some of this stuff you need to move around so it will balance right because it's not balanced. Physical weight and spiritual weight. You'll carry it with you this summer. How, how are you processing? We need to lighten. We need to balance the load. That's our responsibility. Some of you are flying spiritual planes that are unbalanced. And we can see you, by the way. Right? You think you got it all together, but we can see you coming in for the landing with your wings going like this and the engine puttering out and trying to get it going. And you're wondering if you can make it in. And then you turn off 1314 and you turn to the back of the minivan and you say, all right, we made it. If any of you act up when we're in there, I'm going to have your hiney after. Right? Come on. And then you turn around and you say it to the kids. You know? I get it. I get it. We can see it. Everybody can see it. We're all in the same place. But, but I, I want to ask you this question now. When you're going on this trip, the physical trip, when you're leaving, you're all packed up and you're moving out of the driveway, how many of you worry about forgetting something? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I feel like I forgot something. You ever had that feeling? You just feel like, I, I, I don't think there's a time that we leave our driveway where Stacy doesn't say when we're going on a trip, I feel like I forgot something. I, I, I feel like I forgot something. Uh, why? why? Uh, leaving things behind that we're comfortable with causes us great stress. Come on, some of y'all right now just thinking about it are like, ooh, I'm stressed out, right? Like, I'm, you're, you're already thinking, what, what did I leave behind? Did I adjust the thermostat before we left? Oh, my gosh. Are we, you know, we just worry about things, and the stress is evident. You've placed your comfort in having familiar things with you. We, we value our stuff. We value our things because what happens is when familiarity decreases, stress increases. Come on, there was a time that you walked in these church doors for the first time. It was an unfamiliar environment, an unfamiliar experience, and it likely stressed you out. You're like, man, I'm a little stressed. I'm a little it's anxious. There's, I, I don't know. These people are going to be wrangling snakes and, and you know, flinging banners all over the place. They're going to they're gonna make me do something odd and come forward. Like, I'm a, And then you sit here and you're like, oh, okay, it's kind of cool. It's kind of normal people. I think I'll come back again. And then the stress reduces because you're familiar 
with what you're going to expect. And so when we go places spiritually, uh, we often are brought into unfamiliar territory. And so we put great trust and confidence in our things. It, it's why we turn around to get these, right? Like, come on now. Uh, we, we'll turn the car around. Like, we'll go great distances to get these things. Like, you'll leave the driveway and go, oh, I forgot my phone. I got to go back and get it in case there's an emergency. But I remember I grew up in a time where the phones were on the walls and they had cords on them. I remember when we didn't have answering machines, right? My mom, who's here today, she remembers the cord with the cups, right? You know, or was it like, was it like, I don't remember which way it works, right? No cussing in church, no cussing in church, mom. Okay. <laughs> I love you. Uh, you know, I, I remember when the answering machine first came out. I remember coming in and, and, and the kids trying to hit the answering machine. And we wanted to listen to it first. It was technology. I remember getting in trouble when you didn't write the notes down on who called, right? But now we, we, we're like, we can't get away from it because right? we find comfort in this. Some of us are addicted to them. I think there's, I don't think there's a person in this, in this room that's not addicted to these things. Do you know, I did some research this week, and I found uh, that uh, one recent report found that adults in the United States, they check their phones on average, means there's some that check it more, 344 times a day. That's once every four minutes, and you're like, no way, no way, that doesn't happen. Look, I, I have a, a, a truck now, and it sits a little higher, and, and, I, and I'm at the red lights. I can look down, and I can see into your cars. And do you know that people stop at red lights to check, and, and they're sitting there like this? And, 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 then, and then they put it down, and they go, and, and then a few minutes later, we're at the next red light, and I pull up next to them again, and they got it back out again. Right? Like, so, it's so important. And, and I've, I've got to stay on top of things. And, and somebody might text me something or I'm in the middle of a conversation. Uh, they, I, I, we used to just go for hours. And, and people didn't worry about where we were. And we came back and we surfaced again and we called people on the phone and, and then we communicated. We are stuck in this place. Teenagers, the numbers are even more alarming. I, I, well, the numbers are probably okay. I think on average, teenagers probably just check their phone once a day, but they just never let it down. You know, it's probably just once and then it's all day. Uh -huh, I'm listening to you, yeah, and walking around. So I finished my cardiac rehab and now I'm walking around my neighborhood. Well, when I was in cardiac rehab, there were a lot of people around and I didn't listen to music because of, there was conversation happening. Well, now that I'm walking in the neighborhood, I, I have, if you don't know, I wear hearing aids and my phone Bluetooths to the hearing aids. When I'm at home, uh, I can put my phone down, I can listen to it, and I can walk 15, 20 feet away, and it's fine. For some reason, when I'm walking, it's probably because I go so fast, right? Yeah. Um, uh, when I put my phone in my pocket, just right here, it loses connection on every back. And so I literally, I walk in my neighborhood with my phone out like this, okay? And I'm walking, I, do, I put it in this hand so my watch can catch all my steps, you know? And I walk, and these people are probably like, look at that, dude, who's he thinking? he is some teenager out there with his phone out i'm just trying to listen to music people mind your business 
I've titled the message today, Accept It, I Will Forget Something. I will forget something. Some of y'all right now just went, uh-oh. Like Stacy does not like forgotten or missed things. All you have to say is, I can't find, and her honey's already off the seat. She's already moving. What can't you find, right? And she is looking for it, and she is moving around. She is looking for stuff. She's up under the couches and chairs. She will find it because she has a struggle accepting that some things will just be missed or forgotten. It's okay. I still love you, honey. Um, it, it, it's just, it, you struggle to think you might leave something behind. It's a thing, and you struggle to, to think about leaving it behind you. And, and I'm not so convinced that leaving some things behind isn't a good thing. Because what happens is when we have all of our things, we're not relying on God. Think spiritually. When everything that we have is in just perfect place, we often don't rely on Christ. We think we did everything and maybe leaving some things behind and maybe not get every need met might be okay for you. Look what it says in the Bible. It says, brothers and sisters, that's, that's all of us. It says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, right? What, basically what, what he's saying is, is look, I, I haven't mastered this yet. I, I'm, I'm with this, in, I'm, I'm in this with you. But then he goes on, he says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. And what this scripture tells me is forgetting what is behind will cause me to strain for what is ahead because Satan wants us to go back there. He wants us to go back into that place. He wants us to go back to the familiar instead of advancing into the unknown. And the scripture continues. It says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward toward Christ. Look, our aim is heavenward anyway. It's upward. It's not forward. Like we're going to move forward on this planet. But at the end of life here, it's upward. It's heavenward. It's toward him. Is our, our, our eyes are focused on Christ. Listen, uh, maybe what you have left behind will teach you to rely on Christ to provide. It's super uncomfortable, like leaving that thing behind. Try it sometime. I left my watch behind on the charger last week, one day last week. And I was, I was in front of the house and I was moving on. I put my hand on the steering wheel. I, like, I forgot my watch. And so I put that bad boy in reverse, right? And I back up to the driveway. I put it up. I run in. I get my watch. I put it on. I said, why? Because I'm, I'm counting my steps. I'm watching my heart rate. I need this thing to do what it's supposed to do for me. And that's when it hits me. Why am I relying on earthly things when God is the provider of my health, when God is the provider of my wellness, when God is the provider for me? I'm like, sometimes we need to leave these things behind. Do you place your hope in things? Or do you place your hope in Jesus Christ? What hope do you place it in? That's a really hard question, by the way. Like if we're being honest, I think most of us, if we had to be truthful, we would say, I place my hope in things. Like the movie Liar, Liar with Jim Carrey, when he can't lie. If we were like all went around the room, you put your hope in Christ or in things? I think, oh, God, things, right? I, I need my things. And, and uh, uh, what, if, what if our pants really did catch on fire when we lied? Wouldn't that be cool? Like liar, liar, pants on fire. Like we burned the place down, wouldn't we? In the church, 
I think we struggle because we place our things, our, our hope in, in the familiar things. And when we're deciding what to carry, we, we take so many things that we don't need with us, especially in 2023 in the United States of America. Y'all, I think, I think we're the spoiled brats of the, of the globe. I mean, I love living here. I love the United States, but I, I think we're the spoiled brats. I mean, our, our cars have homes, right? They park in garages, right? There's people around the planet that don't have homes for themselves. And here we are complaining when our power goes out and our air conditioner's not just right and the fan's not blown. So I can't sleep without a fan on me, right? Well, how about, how about the dirt in the middle of the desert? You know, can you sleep there? I, I won't even go. My idea of camping now is sleeping with the windows open, right? I don't even like to do that anymore. You want to go camping? No, I don't, right? I, I, I don't, I don't, I love that you have, you like to go camping, but I, I got a bad back and I really like my bed and the air conditioner and the pillow and the toilet right around the corner over there. You know, come on. It gets harder as you get older. Some of y'all will understand soon enough. We have to become comfortable. D- dare I say, uh, or we have become comfortable, dare I say reliant on, on being uh, accepting of our things and trusting of our things. And maybe we ought to leave them behind. I, I like the good news translation here when the psalmist writes this, I depend on God alone. I put my hope in him. I put my hope, put my hope in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I did a funeral yesterday for a, for a 92-year-old woman. And in the song, they played, an El, or one of the songs was an Elvis song. And he says, when there's hope in your heart, you'll never walk alone. And I got up after the song. I didn't know the song was playing. And I'm like, man, good old Elvis coming through again, right? Like, like he gets it. He sings the song. When you have hope in your heart, you'll never walk alone. And Jesus Christ is the one who Elvis is talking about walking with. And I think we lose focus on that sometimes because we go, when we have all our comfortable things around us, we'll walk in peace or in joy or in comfort when really it's Christ who we need to put our hope in. So I, I, today I want to give you three things that, uh, that, that will allow us to see uh, what this is all about. Right? Like, okay, so what, what do we need to understand and what do we need to see when we're talking about forgetting something? First, I want you to see that mistakes will happen. Mistakes will happen. Some of you operate in a zero failure environment. Zero failure environment. And, and I need to tell you, that's extremely dangerous. Like, f- failure is super important and failure is part of success. And when you create an environment that is zero failure, like failure is not an option, right? Failure is not an option. Well, it, actually, it, failure is always an option, right? Just ask WD-40, right? They failed 39 times, right? And it made a great product on the 40th one. Like, like mistakes will happen. And, and if you operate in this you cannot fail, zero fail environment, you actually are creating a model that will fail more. Instead of saying, look, we're going to make mistakes, we're going to fail, but we're going to learn from them, we're going to pick ourselves up, and we're going to move forward again. Look at the disciples who follow Jesus Christ. How many times did they fall flat on their face? And Jesus gracefully picked them up. He didn't disown them, right? He said, but, but I'm going to teach you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to coach you. And they became students of Jesus Christ, which in turn became teachers, mistakes will happen. Because this human body 
is designed to fail. It really is. It's designed to fail. It's not designed to live on for eternity. The spirit that's within us will be uh, eternal, but our bodies fail. Some of you feeling it. Some of you, some of you uh, come on, it grows, and then once it grows, it starts to fail you. And I understand failing bodies will make mistakes because we live in them and we have to just accept it. James chapter 3 verse 2 says this, indeed, we all make what? Many mistakes, not just one. Like we're going to make many mistakes. We're going to fail. We're going to forget things. We're going to move on though. It says, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Here's what I want you to see. This mouth, your mouth, is what creates the failure. So people will try and speak differently. Like we use these words always and never, especially with our children. Some of you with your spouses, you'll never be able to measure up. You're never going to be able to keep your room clean, teenager. You're, you always respond this way. Look, you use those words, expect that to happen. You never keep your room clean to the young kid. Well, they're never going to keep it clean because that's what you're speaking over them. That's what you're sharing into them. And we get in this place where our tongue causes us failure. But people will try and say, I'm going to change the way I speak. Maybe God communicates to you and says, you know what? I, I want to speak differently. I want to be light. I want my, but, so we try to change our words. Here's the problem. The words come from the heart and they're processed through the mind. And then they're spoken. And the scripture says, that's where we make mistakes. You want to change your language? Change your heart and your oh, out of the overflow. The Bible says out of the overflow of the heart, the mind will think and the mouth will speak. We need a heart transplant. You need to change the way your heart feels. How do we do that? Read the scripture, find mentors, connect in groups, make it intimate, attend Wednesday night. Like Wednesday nights, uh, uh, summer nights are super powerful. They change the heart. And the mouth starts to speak differently. Stacy was leading us in prayer this week. Some of people prayed out loud for the first time, changed their heart, like the Grinch. Our tongues, they steer us wrong. It's the playground for Satan. It's why on one breath we can praise the Lord and the other breath we can curse mankind. And not even, and just like this, up and down. It's how temporal our mouths are. Want to change your mouth? You change your heart. We need to decide what we'll carry, what mistakes we're willing to accept. How do we learn from our mistakes? Think about your response when your child says they forgot their tablet at home. Now, let me rest on that for a minute, right? Uh, more families with kids, not all, but more come to the 930 service. When I said that, oh, you should have seen the responses, right? And the faces, some of them are like, oh, uh-uh, there's no tablet at the restaurant. These kids need to sit and listen, pay attention to their kids. I'm going to tell you what, as a father of an autistic son, if we left a tablet at home, we turned around and got that thing. Because if we didn't, we didn't eat. 
right? We didn't need, I can't tell you how many times Stacy would take Tony to the car and the lady in the restaurant would deliver the rest of the family's food at the table and then take her to go stuff to the car because we would forget the device. We, he needed to be distracted. Some of you are like, man, I can't relate to that. Okay, well, let me make it a little more personal. Husbands, husbands, think about when your wife on the trip, when you leave and you're all packed up and her suitcase is on the bottom because it's the biggest, right? You know, and it's down there because you got to get that put in there first. And she says, I think I forgot my makeup bag. Oh, what do you do? What do you do? Uh, You turn around and go get it. Uh, immediately, right? Uh, come on now, you're like, oh, we all agree on that. How about this one? Wives, think about your response when your husband is down the road on the trip and leans over and goes, ah, I think I forgot your special cooling pillow. Oh no, my mind automatically starts thinking about where can I buy another one, right? Like, like we got we to gotta make this right because what's happening is we're forgetting things, we're making mistakes, and we respond, we respond badly in these circumstances, and we've got to learn. How will you respond? Will you respond in a Christ-like way? Will you have patience to figure out what to do when I leave my house and I'm driving and we're going someplace and somebody says, I forgot something? You know, the first thing I do, I look at Stacy and I go, am I turning back? That's all I need to know. I need to know because my mind is problem solving. Does Walmart have this? Does Sam's have this? Like, where do I need to go to get this thing? Are we going to deal without it? Are we, what, what are we doing? Am I turning around? And sometimes the scriptures will speak to us. The psalmist writes this in chapter 103, verse 2 through 5. It says, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins. And sins are merely mistakes. I made a mistake. I missed the mark. I failed. I didn't measure up. I missed it. I just, I'm trying to determine if I need to turn around or keep on going. He forgives all of your sins and heals all of your diseases who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with the love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Look, I wish I could learn from that scripture and apply it in my life over and over and over. And when I miss the mark, settle it with Christ, communicate well, and figure out what is it that I'm doing? Where is the mistake? So if God forgives us in our sin, shouldn't we also forgive others in theirs and their mistakes and their forgetfulness? Remember, Walmart's there to bail you out, right? Yeah, use it. I can't tell you how many. I think we, I think we do that. when we, we love road trips. We'll take a road trip. We get all unpacked. And I just got one of the first things I say, Stacy, make a Walmart list. Right, like make a list. What do we forget or what do we need? Because I know that's right where we're going before we can start our vacation. Like what is it that we need? And so number two, uh, what happens is uh, sometimes you just got to move on. Sometimes when things are forgotten, you have to move on. Like when you forget something, you got to be prepared. 
That, that's the question. Am I turning around to get it or am I moving on? And that's really the deciding factor. That's the fork in the road. A mistake has happened. Something has been forgotten. What are we doing? Are we turning around or are we going straight? Are we moving forward? You cannot dwell on what you cannot change. But unfortunately, Satan has you playing this loop and you will be a grumpy uh, person until, until you can figure out how to make it right again. When sometimes God just says, cut the loss, move forward. Cut the loss, go on, move forward, refocus, keep things going. This is where we're supposed to go. Remember, we're not just talking about the physical, but we're also talking about the spiritual. Some of you need to cut the past. Some of you spiritually are weighed down and you got to let it go. Some of you are doing great physically with letting things go, but spiritually you're carrying this weight. You hold on to these deep grudges. You have them for a long time. Some of you are angry adults because of how you were treated as a child. Do you know in mental health counseling that, that most of adult issues have roots from their childhood? Like, what is it? I tell my kids, like, seek counsel quick, man, because I'm sure I messed you up somehow. And if I didn't do it, I know your mom got the other half, right? Like, I'm sure we provided something to mess with your mind, you know, when we were raising you. Uh, only half of it was on purpose, too, you know? So it's like, why well, we, um, we have to free the weights that hold us back. Some of you are stuck today. You're not moving forward. You're pointing fingers at other people and excuses and reasons why you are who you are. Well, I'm angry because my father was angry. Well, how about saying, I, because my father was angry at me, I, I'm going to change my heart and my mind will think differently. I'm going to speak differently so I won't suffer with anger. My dad, uh, he, he kept, I'll, I will promise you that my dad changed a generation of behavior because of the way that he was treated as a young child. The abuse and things that he had uh, endured, he, he nipped them in the bud so that my sister and I could live free from that. He moved on. He moved on from that. And will you move on from what is holding you back? Don't be packed up like this car here and just carrying all this stuff with you along the way. It weighs you down, not the other person. And I think today some of you need to find some freedom. I like to say, don't let state, Satan rent space in your brain. Like some of y'all are just letting him go in there. Like, man, you got vacant lights flashing all over the place. And you're like, come on in, there's room in here. And Satan comes in and he dupes you and he dupes you. I think it's time to evict him. Don't let them rent that space in your mind. Move on. Isaiah 43, 18 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Move on. Move on. Move on. Talk about it. Process it. Get it all ironed out and move away from it. It'll change your life. This summer, I promise you'll be tested in this. Why? Because I'm talking about it and you're hearing it. And Satan's going to be like, aha, I'm going to test them. Yeah. Have you ever heard a sermon in church and then later that week, you're like, man, I feel like the pastor's speaking about this and now I'm dealing with this struggle. Hello, welcome to my world, right? Like everything I speak on, I get tested on. And I think it's just a sign of discipleship. Like I'm paying attention and so is Satan, right? If you can come in here and you can sleep, oh, Satan will leave you alone, but you won't grow one bit. That's another sermon for another day.
Someone on this journey of life will hurt you. Promise you. Accept the fact that you need to walk away when Christ says it's time to move on. Proverbs 22, 24 says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. You'll get stuck there too. Like sometimes you've got to move on. You got to move on. And look, I've seen the picture of the pear that's all rotten, fully rotten. And then the pear that's right next to it, it's got a rotten spot on it. Like, like, like bad fruit will, will share and become a bushel of bad fruit. The bad apple can spoil the bunch. Like you have to be careful. Sometimes you've got to move on. Look, when things are forgotten, we get hurt. Anger arises. Come on, parents. We so easily anger at our children when they forget to do their chores. Hello. We get, we get so easily angered when the kids don't listen to us. But I feel like God sometimes is treating me like I treat my children. And then I go, wait a minute. He wouldn't do that. He would be the opposite of me. I think what I'm wishing is that he would treat me that way because it would make me feel better here. God does not go down to Steve Morris and go, how many times do I got to tell you to walk forward in this way? Am I not making it clear for you that this is the way you ought to go, son? Like, God doesn't speak to me that way. Sometimes I sure speak to my children that way. And he corrects me. I've got to move on from how I used to parent and parent differently. As a father, I've been a parent for 24 years. And I'm still learning every day how to do it differently and how to do it better and how to change. And some of the things I used to do, I've got to move away from and do them differently because here's what Jesus Christ would do. He would say, son, I'm here to help you when you're ready. Like, let me, he would, he's a gentleman. He'll pick me up and he'll allow me to try again and I'll fail. And he's going to say, that's okay. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to carry you. I'm going to help you. And he's there for you. How do we parent our children? And number three and final, this one, this one's big. Don't worry. Don't worry. Be happy. Every little thing going to be okay. Right? I used to sing that song to myself in Tony's bed because I needed to know it was going to be okay, right? You know, Tony was the benefactor of that. Like, don't worry. Like, I want to finish strong here. here. Here's the reality. When you leave something behind that brings you comfort, that you know you need, but you forgot it, uh, what happens is it creates this stress. And in the stress, it creates anxiety. And in anxiety comes forth worry. And some of us just skip all of it. We're already stressed. We have anxiety, and we just go straight to worry. And worry is not from God. Worry is the direct path straight from Satan. We should not worry. Worry will cripple you. Cripple you. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourselves. That's an action step, by the way. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Will you cast it? Will you cast your anxiety far away from him? We don't understand casting, y'all, as humans. We're weird. We're weird people. We don't understand it. You will stand on the banks of the lake 
and you will try and cast your bait out as far as you can, right? Meanwhile, on the boat, the people will cast their lines as close to the shore as they can. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, like, man, like, like there, I've been there on the side of the bank and I'm casting it out and there's a boat right over there casting it up here. I'm like, well, we don't understand. Like casting is to get it as far away from you as you can. Like cast your anxiety far away. I, I get it. I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I got a tattooed on my wrist, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Yeah, it, she's trying to talk back to me. So don't be anxious about anything, right? That's what, that's what Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says. It says, be anxious about nothing, but by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving to God, make your request known to him, and he'll guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Don't worry when you make a mistake, when you forget things, when stuff starts to overwhelm you. It's easy to say, it's hard to do, isn't it? Relax, humble yourself, cast your cares, trust in him. Don't be so easily startled, startled or so easily distracted from things. When things don't go your way, newsflash, it's not, it's not, it's not your game. It's not your, it's not your role. It's his. And we're all just pieces of the puzzle. And he's putting it together beautifully. And he's making things fit and he's chiseling things. And we all get this life to come together as a local church and just weave together and allow him to chisel a little here and chisel a little there, leave a little bit behind, cut some things off here, take off this worry so you snap in perfect. And together we form the body of Christ and it's beautiful. The reality is oftentimes we struggle with leaving things behind because we don't trust God. If you'll trust him, he'll fill every single void. The creator of the universe knows how to help your anxiety, how to fill the void. Alistair Begg, he's a, a preacher up in the Midwest, and he, he, he says it good. I want you to check out this one-minute video, and then I'll come up and I'll get us out of here. Why do you worry about stuff? It's amazing, isn't it? Paul writes to the Philippians, do not be anxious about anything. Oh, goodness gracious. Why couldn't it be, don't be anxious about things, most things? No, don't be anxious about anything. Jesus, Paul, Peter, they're all saying the same things. Are you anxious about your present effectiveness? Why, you think you're doing it? Are you, are, are you anxious about your ongoing effectiveness? Just general usefulness in ministry? Isn't it fascinating how these anxious thoughts will appear from nowhere? It's real. That's why songs, poems and stuff are, are helpful to us, I think. I'm, people, I think, are bemused with how many times I come up with crazy, stupid little songs from my childhood. But they're important to me. I sing them to myself all the time. All your anxiety, all your care, bring to the mercy seat, leave it there. Never a burden he cannot bear, never a friend like Jesus. Got to talk to yourself, sing to yourself, said the robin to the sparrow. I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush around and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, oh, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. They have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. 
Some of us act that way. You worry so much, it appears you have no heavenly father that's going to care and provide for you like the sparrow and the birds. Like, think about that for a moment. Like when we forget stuff, when we fall apart, when things don't go our way. Like when you cast it to Christ and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this moment. I'm going to trust you in this day. Like this summer, God wants something new for you. He doesn't want you to be who you used to be. He wants you to be who he's making you into. When you leave something behind, accept it. Now, what, you can decide you're going to turn around and go get it. You can decide if you're going to move on. You're going to decide if you're going to worry about it. But if you'll press into the Holy Spirit by prayer and petition, he'll start to communicate to you and he'll start to change the way that you think and he'll show up and he'll help you decide what weight you want to carry and how you're going to balance it. Because this world can get heavy and it will and you'll carry spiritual weight, you'll carry physical weight, but he's there when the mistakes happen. He's there to help you move on and he's there to take your worry from you so that you can function well and make a difference and make a mark on this world before he calls us to our home in heaven. Let's pray. God, we are grateful today that you are in this place and that we can cast our hopes and fears and worries all on you. And God, so as we leave this place today. I ask that you continue to minister to our hearts and that you continue to change us because we need to change the way we think and the way that we speak. Every single one of us, pastor included, Lord, refine me, make me more like Christ tomorrow than I am today and help me see things through your lens, not through my selfish lens. Here I am, Lord, send me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.